and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host again for today, Simon Hodgkins, absolutely delighted to be joined by Alan Yuginovich. Alan is uh, an absolute phenomenon. He's a medical doctor and a postdoc at Harvard Medical School. He uh, works for the Department of Neurobiology. He's currently working, I know, in the field of sleep uh, medicine and also specifically with the effects that sleep has on uh, sleep deprivation has on health. So he's held numerous scientific uh, lectures uh, throughout his career. I know he's organized award-winning projects such as the Nobel Laureate Conference, where I think you had four Nobel laureates, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, Simon, yeah. Yeah, and Alan is also uh, the author of a book called The Introduction to Sleep Medicine. Um, this book, I know, it sort of focuses, doesn't it, on the psych, the physiology and the pathophysiology of sleep and, and the circadian rhythms. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. As well as sleep disorders. So, look, I, I think there's an awful lot in there, uh, Alan. I'm dying to get into this interview. And I, <laughs> I also want to mention, because as we record this, we've just finished year five of the Think Global Awards. And you were also a Think Global Award winner. Um, and you've also very recently you were awarded the 2021 European Citizens Prize, uh, which is given by the European Parliament. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all true, and it's yeah. been a huge honor, you know, huge honor both receiving receiving both awards. So, so look, we've we've got an awful lot to get through here. We've got the the medical doctor. We've got your Harvard Medical School. Uh, what you're doing in the Department of Neurobiology, everything you're doing in sleep studies, uh, obviously the awards that, that you've won, we have your book, there's a lot to talk about here. So let, let's move on and, and get on to the show. You're very welcome to the show, Alan. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you very much, Simon, for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Um, so look, let's start with the career and the background. I'll give a little bit of an introduction there. Um, was this career choice, was it always the dream, the goal? Um, and I don't use the dream, uh, you know, I haven't purposely said the dream because of the sleep uh, studies. I see the pun. <laughs> Thank you. Um, was it was it your goal, though? Um, it, was that what you wanted to get into? Uh, or how do you get into neurobiology? Because there's not many of us in the world of neurobiology. Yeah, yeah. It, it, look, uh, going here to, to Harvard Medical School, I, I can't even say it was a dream because I couldn't dream of going here. You know, right. so it's like above some some state above the dream. Uh, but yeah, neurobiology and neuroscience in general, I would say it, it's been my passion since the big almost the beginning of, of medical school. So like it was like six years, seven years ago, um, I started uh, uh, being interested in neuroscience and neurobiology in general. Now, and that all started with with with. Um, me having the the course in neuroscience at medical school and and while while we were having that course which was relatively short like a month more or less month and a half i, I started getting interested in the brain and, and all the complexities the brain has and and, and the fact it's so under researched like we we know a lot about the brain but yet there is so 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 much more to know um about the brain and especially the sleep side of the brain uh, because we we basically sleep a third of our lives well we should sleep a third of our lives. <laughs> some people sleep less, some people sleep more. But, but that, that state is, is just so under-researched and it's so interesting why we actually spend a third of our lives 
um, sleeping. And yes, so basically from, from my second year of medical school, out of six years of medical school, I started being interested in, in sleep medicine in general. And then um, my, yeah, my, my neuroscience career kind of took off uh, from, from there when, when we uh, founded the Neuroscience Society at, at the University of Split School of Medicine back in my hometown, Split, Croatia. We started organizing, as you said, you know, all those like small lectures and, and everything, you know, on a very local level. But then as the years went by, we, we started organizing, you know, uh, basically European and, and world um, uh, congresses regarding practical knowledge for, for medical students, for, for dental students and for pharmacy students who came to Split to improve their practical knowledge. And as you said, the um, Nobel Laureate Conference. Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask you about that. So thank you, because... I mean, already uh, from the student days, you know, you're saying mm. back from Croatia, but you, you did have extraordinary success back then because you organized these scientific conferences, right? And yeah. I mentioned, uh, mentioned in the introduction that you brought several of these sort of mm. Nobel laureates back to your hometown. Mm -hmm. Can you just maybe unpack that a little bit for our listeners? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so basically from, from 2017 to 2019, we've had overall six Nobel laureates, out of which four came to the Nobel Laureate Conference and two came to other uh, conferences uh, we organized. And, you know, it, 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 that part of my uh, kind of my professional, I would say, uh, uh, career I would say still is it has so many great memories. And, 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 and the fact is when we organize that stuff and I should give huge credit to my team from Split. It's not that, it's not that I organize it. It's like the, the, the team effort was incredible um, because we basically showed that medical students like second, third, fourth year medical students, fifth year medical students could organize incredible conferences and bring these Nobel laureates with, I would say with their passion and enthusiasm more than some, you know, huge reputation or um, um, on a world level um, to Split, which is not the biggest city in the world. You know, it's, it's a relatively small city on the Croatia, but a beautiful city on the Croatian coast. And we showed that. And, and I feel like that part, um, um, showing people that, that young people can make a change because those Nobel laureates had a huge impact um, um, on our community, both local and on, and on a national level. It is one of the most important parts um, that I wanna, you know, I wanna, uh, I want to tell you, and and it, it all started um, when we invited a few Nobel laureates in 2018, um, uh, hoping to get one Nobel laureate. And people told me, you know, very very senior people told me, "Oh, you're a student. It's not really possible. You can send the emails or call them, but you know, don't expect much." And I was like, "I don't understand why these people are saying this. I mean, I don't understand why why we can get the Nobel laureate, you know, and you know." Um, um, obviously, we had huge amounts of luck and everything, but we got one Nobel laureate. And, and the interesting part is that that some people didn't even believe he was coming until he actually landed in Split. You know, he, they were like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, he may cancel it, blah blah blah." But then he came, and then you know, and then after 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 that year, next year, I told my team, "Look, um, why can't we make a Nobel laureate conference you know, just for them, and and invite you know several of them, four, five, six of them." And they were like, you're crazy, but let's do it. And, and I was like, cool, let's invite them. And people were, you know, very senior people were also like, Troy, you know, you got one Nobel laureate. I don't think you're going to get four, four or five. And I was like, I don't understand why. I really don't understand why. And, you know, um, it, it all turned out really well. We got four Nobel laureates. Um, and, 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 and one part which I would really like to emphasize is 
I wanted, I mean, we wanted the conference to be focused on, on inspiring and motivating young people, whether they are high school students or, or medical or other students. And we opened the um, conference, it was free for everybody. So we invited numerous high schools in, in our area, you know, high school students and, and medical and other students to the conference. And we had more than a thousand people. And it was, it was just the, the, the joy of seeing young people, you know, 15, 16, 20 year old people who are learning and, and networking with these incredible uh, people who change basically um, science. That, that's the, the, the most important part I feel like uh, from our conference. Well, congratulations, because I mean, that that's outstanding. Um, and sometimes all it takes is one person to say, why not? I, I don't understand why not. You know, there's yeah. a logo from a famous company, motto from a famous company says impossible is nothing. And I really believe that impossible yeah. is nothing. Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, listen, a lot of our, a lot of people that listen to Vista Talks are obviously mm. they're in the world of business uh, yeah. as opposed to the world of medicine. We do have you know people from life sciences sector for sure tuning mm -hmm. in. But in the main, it's, it's probably people from around the world. Maybe they've got an interest in language and linguistics. It could be they could be mm -hmm. producing global content. They could be in the, the world of business. But one thing yeah. they've all got in common is, particularly over the last couple of years with the pandemic that we find ourselves in and going through, uh, sleep has become a real hot topic again. It's always been there yeah. in the background. People are looking after their mental health or at mm -hmm. least aware of their mental health, I should say, probably a little bit better than they were maybe in the past. Uh, and health and well-being has kind of been very much uh, the thought process for lots of people mm -hmm. uh, and considering what's important. But when it comes to your area of specialism, when it comes to sleep deprivation, particularly mm -hmm. as it relates to business, because yeah. a lot of people can feel they've, had, they've been working longer hours, we're all on Zoom yeah. calls or we're on... Um, Microsoft Teams calls or, you know, whatever the software is. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to sleep deprivation, what, what are your mm -hmm. initial thoughts or what could you share with us in terms of sleep deprivation? Yeah, yeah, it, sleep is, is such an important, um, um, yet it's sometimes it's such an important part of our lives and, and people sometimes just neglect it, unfortunately. And I completely understand that, that people work a lot I mean, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, some, you know, the, the work schedule sometimes expanded and, and people work more. But I would really like to emphasize, and I'm going to tell you why uh, people should really try not to skip or cut on sleep time uh, for a few reasons. Um, I, I can tell you that if you don't sleep well today or tomorrow or the next five days, yes, the concentration level is going to go down. Yes, the productivity levels are going to go down. That has been shown in multiple, multiple studies. But the, the thing I want to really uh, drive home is, is, is long-term chronic poor sleep quality, meaning sleeping four hours or five hours for like years and years, that can elevate the risk of numerous disorders, cardiometabolic disorders, hypertension, stroke, uh, heart attack, diabetes, and numerous others which I don't even have to, have to tell you here how many um, uh, complications those diseases have per se. You know, so, so that's the most important part because I don't think it's worth um, not sleeping well today to do something more today, but then when you're 40 or 50, you have numerous health disorders and, and you're not really capable of, of, of giving your max um, um, to work. And I completely understand also people who have startup companies that, that you know, work 25 hours per day out of 20 out of 24 hours per day but but I should really um, I hope some of those people are listening and should just 
take into account how important sleep is for business too. I mean, studies have shown also that people who sleep poorly lead poorly. There was a great article in Harvard Business Review about that. People who sleep poorly really do lead poorly. And poor leadership, we all know what can happen with a company who has poor leadership. And, and I know some of this may sound a bit, you know, it's not going to happen to me. I function perfectly well with five hours of sleep. I feel like you think you function perfectly well uh, with five hours of sleep or four hours of sleep because of the adre constant adrenaline or stress that you're into that keeps you awake. But, but you can, I think you can see that, that that stress connected with poor sleep quality, like that, that double, you know, that, 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 that thing there can hugely increase risks of multiple disorders um, in the future. So I would try to, you know, um, emphasize as much as possible for people to sleep at least seven hours per day, you know, adults between 18 and 65 years of age, at least seven, and don't go below six, please. I mean, yes, of course, one day, for sure it can you know it can happen but generally speaking don't go below six hours well thank you uh very insightful comments there and i, I was going to ask you that question because mm -hmm. I, you know if i was listening to this uh, in the audience my immediate question would be well, well how many hours of sleep should i get and yeah. um, i think of my own uh, uh, family member mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. one of my um uh, close family members would is convinced they don't need sleep you know, they, they yeah. don't need as many sleep. And you always hear about certain people in history who got away yeah. with four hours or five hours yeah. or six hours. Um, and then you say, well, but then I also know people who, you know, they could sleep for 10 or 11 hours. And, you know, <laughs> they, 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 I just don't know how they do it. You know, I'm yeah. quite envious. But you're saying that really between those sort of age brackets, about seven hours is, is what you need yeah. from a seven, eight hours yeah. would be perfect. Yeah. And, and, and also what I want to say is, is um, uh, sleeping over nine hours, over 10 hours per day is also not great. Right. So it's not only sleep deprivation that, that, that increases the risk of these disorders. It's also oversleeping. You know, a study has shown in, in, in patients with, with cancer that actually uh, sleeping more than nine hours is also detrimental for their outcomes, for their survival. So, so that seven to nine hours is really kind of the golden um, um, you know, bracket for sleeping. And, and what you referred to, you know, four hours of sleep, I, I think you were maybe referring to Margaret Thatcher who claimed you know, that, that she could sleep, um, I think four hours or five hours per, per night and leave the country, which is incredible. And there, and, and, and there is some scientific evidence that in a very, very, very small percentage of people, there's this mutated gene that's called Thatcher gene um, in remembrance basically of, of her, um, that, that actually uh, uh, makes people sleep, that, 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 is, that makes people sleep four or five hours per night and that's enough for them. You know, so there is very, very scientific evidence, but in a tiny percentage of people. In most of us, for most of us, let's try to sleep seven, eight hours. Yeah, uh, and not try to convince ourselves that we have that gene, right? Yeah, <laughs> very <don't>. unlikely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's amazing, and I see lots of people talking about you know we remember to charge our smartwatch or we remember to charge our smartphone uh, and our laptop or whatever, but we we sometimes neglect charging ourselves, don't we? Yeah, exactly, and and it it it, it is a bit sad that that every time we have something to do, we the first thing we cut on is sleep. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I would like it not to be the case. So. Well, no, I, and I think it's, I mean, this is great, great to hear because a lot of people are working. You, you mentioned, didn't you, that 
for mm. some people, the pandemic has actually lengthened the amount Absolutely. of time that they're working because people Absolutely. are working remotely and working from home. The advantage yep. is they're not commuting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's, it's creating a better environment. They get to mm-hmm. spend more time with their loved ones. But there's mm-hmm. also the work creep where it sort of over then spills into other areas of people's lives. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, healthcare workers, uh, we can also say that, I mean, a huge, you know, thank you to all the, you know, healthcare workers around the world who were on the front lines and are still are on the front lines of the, of the pandemic. I mean, the stress levels, anxiety levels, and, you know, poor sleep quality among them is, is incredible. Um, um, So, yeah. Yeah. There's an, there's an awful lot, depending on which country you're in and what media coverage you're, you're listening to, but the, the general message coming out of the medical staff uh, mm-hmm. is that they're exhausted. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, Very tough. Yeah. So bringing it back to, to business for a moment mm-hmm. um, from your viewpoint, your vantage point, mm-hmm. um, would you have any sort of ideas or, or thoughts around what an organization, a business can do or seek yeah. out to help manage maybe some of these problems that sleep deprivation can sort of cause like is there anything an organization or a business should take into account or try to promote yeah i I feel like first of all um um, hiring people from the sleep field would be extremely extremely valuable for businesses who can actually afford it i I feel like many businesses especially in the u.s um, can afford it and the role of those people uh the the chief sleep officer (laughs) cso as we can say is to promote uh, and emphasize the necessity of sleep in, in everyday people's lives. And I feel like not a lot of people are informed about the long-term consequence, consequences of poor sleep quality. I, I, I think people do feel the effect of poor sleep tomorrow and the day after, but they don't think of it as something very systemic meaning, you know, diabetes and all these disorders can be systemic in the end because they can increase the risk of all sorts of disorders. I don't think anybody wants to have 10, you know, underlying diseases at the age of 60 or 50. I feel like, I think many people want to live longer and healthier. So, so those people, I think, I think companies can actually promote sleep with their, you know, among their workers and, and, and actually think um, um, of the perspective have the perspective that, that after work and before work, give the people quality time to sleep. I don't think many people want at 7 a.m. extremely stressful emails about this and that. Also, just one, one more thing that, that I, I, I can note. Uh, there's a great tool in you know, uh, Microsoft and Google uh, email that you can schedule messages don't send extremely stressful messages at midnight. Why? Because stress is the number one cause of insomnia. Number one cause of insomnia, acute stress. Schedule it for tomorrow. I feel like people are not using this tool enough. And, and, and also when, when, when work is done, when people get home, let them relax because relaxation before sleep and, and, and not thinking about work and, and other stressful situations is extremely important for the quality of sleep. And, and what I want to emphasize, it's not just the quantity of sleep, seven, eight hours, it's the quality of sleep. People need to go through various sleep stages from one to four and REM, rapid eye movement, which is you know, famous for, for dreaming and stuff. If they don't go through these sleep stages, if they don't get enough deep sleep, they're going to be tired the next morning. Their productivity is going to be lower. And, you know, it's going to have an effect long-term on the business. So I would really advise 
um, uh, you know, may, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm not, hiring people who are from the sleep field to, to emphasize this because people are working a third of the day, but they're also sleeping a third of the day and nobody seems to really be caring about that. It's very true. Um, you've just made me think there as you were talking about, I do know one organization in the mm -hmm. US who has a chief heart officer. Okay. Uh, not in terms of physical heart health, mm -hmm. but just, you know, a different approach to a certain role. Mm -hmm. And I love the term uh, chief sleep officer. I'm not aware of any chief sleep officers. Me neither. <laughs> uh, maybe that's something that we should take in. And I, I think you're right. There's quite a lot of large, large uh, global organizations mm -hmm. who could, um, I wouldn't say easily, but, but could start to think about this in a realistic yeah. way to say, how do we improve the health and mm -hmm. well-being uh, of yeah. our employees? And you know, something like a chief sleep officer, I think, would be very uh, instrumental. And I, I do know, and I'm sure you're mm -hmm. more aware of these studies than I am, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of uh, offices where they've put in sleep pods that they became a little bit popular mm -hmm. quite a number of years ago. Yeah. To sort of encourage napping during the day. Whereas, yeah. you know, when they came out, there was huge arguments about sleeping in the workplace. This is crazy. What's going on? Yeah. And there's the other side of that argument, which is, of course, a quick 20 minute nap or a 10 minute nap or whatever it is yeah. to make you much more productive. So exactly, exactly. I, I don't think it, it just in my experience, which is very little compared to, you know, people who run big companies, but, but just giving people the break, just giving people a small break can boost their productivity incredibly. So. Well, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, I, I love that. I will be talking about a chief sleep officer to many people from this point on. So Please thank, do. Thank Let's you. hope this is the start. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, let's talk a little bit about Harvard, because uh, we mm -hmm. mentioned that at the start as well, in terms of the Harvard Medical School. So mm -hmm. um, I've, I've I know you're there quite a while now at this stage, mm -hmm. but I Basically wanted to ask two years, two yeah. years, right? So I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the medical work that you're doing there, uh, the sort of the studies, the field, the, the stuff that you're involved in. I mean, I can just tell you that 2017, I think, I think it was 2017, the 2017 Nobel Prize was won um, uh, for, for, for the discovery of the molecular mechanism of sleep, which was all done in fruit flies, in these tiny animals. And now we know the like more than the basics of, of the mechanisms, the molecules that control sleep, thanks to these tiny, tiny, tiny animals. And, and what we've um, um, used, so I, I work with fruit flies and mice. So mice are, I think, more um, familiar to, to people. So what we've shown in them is, is actually what my lab shown, uh, has shown in them, is that when you deprive fruit flies, so fruit, just the basic overview, fruit flies sleep just like, more or less like humans. You know, during the day they're awake most of the time, but they also have like a siesta time during the day and they, and they sleep during the night. So it's, it's more or less like humans. And we've shown that by depriving uh, uh, fruit flies of sleep almost completely, that the levels of a very harmful uh, mechanism, which is called oxidative stress, is increased in the gut, in the intestines of fruit flies. Why is this important? Because when you think of sleep, I think 99% of people think of the brain if you had to pick an organ and not the gut, you know, um, um, which is very, very logical. And we've shown that the, these levels of harmful oxidation in, only happen in the gut of fruit flies who are sleep deprived. And the point here is these fruit flies, 
live less than two times, uh, 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 more than two times less than fruit flies who live normally, sleep normally. So it cuts their lifespan more than a half by depriving them of sleep, you know, only, you know, by depriving them of sleep, which is incredible. And we've shown this mechanism is conserved in mice. So in mice who are sleep deprived for only two days, and this is not in mice total sleep deprivation. This is like 60, 60 to 70% um, uh, deprivation, meaning they still sleep 30, 35% of the time, which is more, um, you know, familiar to humans. That gut oxidation occurs only after two days. It's not that it occurs after five years. It only occurs after two days. And now what we're working on is we want to see if, and it's likely, I'm not saying it is, but it's likely conserved in other uh, species, including humans too. And now we want to uh, find biomarkers that we can detect that gut oxidation um, in humans to treat that gut oxidation because we think since it already cut the lifespan more than half in fruit flies, that, it, that, gut, that gut oxidation may increase the risk of all these uh, sleep associated disorders, hypertension, diabetes, dementia, and all the rest. And by um, finding biomarkers for this, we can treat it timely and then potentially reduce the risk of, of these disorders. So yeah, that's what we're doing uh, now. That's an inc incredible uh, study and incredible find from yeah. something as tiny as the fruit fly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you for ex explaining that uh, because mm -hmm. I just, when I came across it, I thought that's the, you yeah. know, the, the amount of information that you're pulling out of that study. Um, yeah. And the other thing about, apart from, I suppose, the medical work, mm -hmm. you're organizing the Hot Science Balloon Project, right? Yeah. So what What's the Hot Science Balloon Project? Yeah. So we started, it's a funny name. Uh, we started uh, a year, I think a year and a half ago now during the pandemic. Uh, like I think April, May, 2020. And, and the idea of, of, the, of, of Hot Science Balloon is, is to connect uh, science enthusiasts around the world since it's still, we're still kind of in the midst of a pandemic and conferences, yes, some, some of the conferences are being held live, but most of them are hybrid or virtual. We wanted to connect during the pandemic scientists around the world um, on one platform where they could network and you know, talk to each other, form collaborations, despite not going to conferences. Because in my opinion, the, the best value from a conference is the networking part, at least from the biomedical conferences, uh, is the networking part. You meet incredible people there and you can easily um, um, connect on a few topics and then um, uh, collaborate um, in the future. So that's one part, connecting those scientists. The other part is we wanted to organize uh, uh, events with, with uh, leading experts in the science and healthcare industry uh, worldwide. Um, and and, and we, we wanted to do this by organizing interviews to basically find out how they discovered something or how they are leading um, some company um, or something else. And we had um, up to date uh, three Nobel laureates um, there, uh, Three, I think a week ago, I talked to um, Dr. John Halamka, who is the president of the Mayo Clinic platform, um, who is, you know, we, which is an incredible digital platform uh, from the Mayo Clinic, which is the leading hospital um, in the world. Um, in a week, we have um, uh, another doctor from AstraZeneca, uh, who's the vice president of, uh, for Europe and North America of, of AstraZeneca. And we're going to be talking about the pandemic, the opportunities and the challenges of developing um, COVID-19 vaccines. And these, you know, these events have been popular among our, our audience and we continue um, on doing that. It sounds really, really interesting. And um, it's incredible how um, that has adapted because the, 
that's sort of during the pandemic where people maybe aren't meeting in person at a lot yep. of events. A lot of events obviously moved to a virtual only uh, situation. And yes, that sort of networking element, the face-to-face time obviously has been significantly reduced and continues to be so in, in lots of countries. Um, but it sounds like you, you're kind of developing that conversation uh, through this new um, yeah. event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a great team of people. That, that's always important to mention. Uh, the team of people in Health Science Balloon and other projects I'm doing are, are always people who are, um, they're, they're incredibly self-motivated and ambitious. And they, they I, I always have this phrase and say, they see more than a meter ahead of them. So I'm, I, it, 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 the, the, the point of this is they're almost like visionaries. They see the next step and the step afterwards while we're still, still doing something else. And I love those people and you know, they're incredible. No, it, it, it is amazing. And, I, and I'm always um, bowled over and impressed. I mean, we haven't probably connected in a couple of years, probably maybe a year and a bit yeah. since you last yeah. won a, a Think Global Award. It was probably the last time yeah. we spoke. And That's I know true. that your, your sort of engagement with Harvard um, and the studies that you're doing and the conferences that you're running, um, yeah. it's amazing how much progress is being made. And sometimes we, we, you know, we don't focus on all the positives that are being done uh, around the world. So it's really encouraging to hear all this fantastic uh, work and networking and conferences and medical research that, that's going on here. Uh, but I yeah. did want to ask you before we wrap up today, because we're mm-hmm. rapidly coming to the end of our time. <laughs> here, I know I wanted to ask you if there's anything else you're involved in, because you mentioned there just a little moment ago about all the other projects that you're involved in. Is there yeah. anything else that you want to share that you think may be of interest to our listeners? Yeah, for sure. I, I can share um, the current project. One of the current projects that, that we're doing, I think, is is it's a multi-year project and, and uh, we're you know fully focused on it and and just to give a, a quick background, uh, so Croatia, uh, my home cr- country, is experiencing unfortunately um, uh, quite a big brain drain. Meaning, your young, talented, ambitious people, because of all sorts of reasons, are leaving the country, and it's not temporary. So that that's the key uh, uh, thing. There, I would say most of them um, are not really thinking of coming back to Croatia. And I've spoken to numerous um, um, of these people, you know, from Japan to the U.S. and you know across Europe, from all the countries in the world. And and first of all, I've been surprised how many Croatian young, talented people are actually abroad working at incredible institutions in the STEM field. And and you know, just talking to them, I I, I see the, some of the reasons why they don't want to return. But I see that at least a tiny potential of them returning to, to, you know, Croatia and Croatia needs them so incredibly, you know, much. And, and that is why um, our team is currently um, uh, basically, basically at the mid, mid initial to mid phase of, of this project where we want to reverse the Croatian brain drain into brain gain. In, in the next few years, uh, we want to bring these incredibly, I mean, these people are just, you know, A level, A plus level. Um, of people uh, from the STEM field, we want to return them back uh, uh, to Croatia after they finish their either education um, abroad or have gained enough experience abroad so they can contribute back to society. Because I don't think Croatia has an incredibly prosperous future unless these talented people stay in Croatia or return back um, to Croatia. And we're, we're, you know, we're collaborating with uh, the EU, uh, you know, the Croatian government and other institutions. And this is a huge, huge effort. And, and I don't think this is gonna be solved in a year or two, 
but at least laying the foundations uh, uh, now in the next couple of years uh, uh, in the form of, of a couple of conferences that we want to organize and other, uh, other collaborations with, with institutions such as we want to create uh, potentially new job, jobs that didn't exist before in Croatia because some of these people who, who, who are from the STEM field, they, they do stuff in, the, in, in, in a, a abroad that is just impossible to do in Croatia. And we want to create fertile ground for them to return to continue doing their, their stuff, um, their work, um, uh, fruitful work back in Croatia. So yeah, that's the, the project that we're doing now. You don't take on small projects, do you? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I think life is too short. And you know, yeah. somebody said, when you dream, dream big. So. Absolutely. And <laughs> as we said at the start, why not? Why not? Why not? Exactly. Why yeah. not? It, it's very interesting. I, I was talking very recently to a gentleman called uh, Mark Henry, who mm -hmm. is the central marketing director for a government um, uh, entity called Tourism Island, which is responsible, mm -hmm. obviously, for attracting tourists to Ireland. But he's just wrote a book. Uh, it's just put, just been published, actually, mm -hmm. um, called uh, it's, it's an optimist book. It's called In Fact. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. about a hundred really positive things that have happened in Ireland over the last a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And like that, it, you know, uh, the Irish uh, story was very similar. Obviously people left for lots of, lots of yeah. reasons. Um, but, you know, encouraging sort of the talent, the brain, as you call it, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, that brain drain that goes on when you lose a lot of your people, because maybe as you're mentioning, some of the facilities may not be there, particularly yeah. the STEM and the medical environment that they yeah. need which they can access abroad and for governments and, and private investment to come together to build that infrastructure, to build that mm -hmm. platform. So that talent can come back and, and, and bring mm -hmm. that sort of uh, knowledge and, and uh, experience back to the country. And I know a lot of people as they get older um, tend to, in, not, in, not in all cases, but in, in some cases tend to want to return as they call it yeah. home in inverted commas and to give something back to the, the community and the country that they that, that they originated from. Yeah. So I'll be, I will be watching that uh, project yeah. closely because um, it's um, there's quite a few, you know, I'm very, very lucky to be able to speak to people around the world. And um, there are a number of pockets where people are trying to get people back, whether it's yeah. economically, whether there's tax advantages to that, whether mm -hmm. it's through housing, you know, the costs of housing, whether it's through regenerating business areas, whether it's through yeah. the medical <clears throat> profession and STEM. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I also spoke to, not to, not to prolong this, but I, I also spoke to a lady who I've known for almost 30 years called Mary Cahillan, who runs what used to be British Telecom is now referred to BT globally, mm -hmm. but the BT Young Scientist Exhibition. And that's like 100,000 people have gone through that program. And some of those uh, young children go on to great careers in the medical and the STEM profession, but that had to be started. And it's almost taken three decades yeah. of the build for that yeah. to, to sort of build that uh, infrastructure and that sort of uh, environment uh, to, to grow mm. the knowledge of STEM through, you know, um, all children uh, coming through yeah. the program. So, I mean, we can learn from, from other countries that, that uh, you know, try to implement or successfully implement it. Yeah. Um, um, the foundations for, for these people returning. And it's, I, I completely understand it's a huge effort. It's a multi-year, if not a decade long effort, but I do feel it's worth it. And because it's worth it, we're doing it. So. Well, I wish you, I wish you continued success. It is, it has been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to catch up with you once again. 
Uh, I, Thanks, Simon. We hopefully won't leave it as long next time, but I know you're <laughs> really, really busy. Yeah. Um, uh, today's episode, I hope for our listeners, has been a great... Uh, we've touched on everything from uh, you know, sleep deprivation to looking after your own uh, sleep and how it impacts your health and your life. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about fruit flies and the studies and the <laughs> learnings there. And, you know, the, the fantastic work that you've done uh, and continue to do at Harvard Medical and also in terms of the uh, Hot Science Balloon Project and all the, other, all the other conferences, projects and studies that you're involved in. I don't know how you fit it all in, but thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you very much, Simon. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Well, look, that's the end of today's show with uh, Alan Yuginovich. And it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with him again. Please make sure to tune in once again to see and or listen to the next Mr. Talk show, where once again we hope to be catching up with interesting people from all over the world. Thank you, Alan. Thank you.